They're gonna I think our teachers are gonna take the kids to class right now, probably, so they can uh, head out. I, I, my wife, I know, is teaching, and she's over this way. And uh, so, if you kids want to head out through that door right over there, I'm hopeful that you'll find an adult over there. All right, well, it's uh, good to be here this morning. Hi, Carter. You want to go that way? Clark, I like your gloves. Those are awesome. So next week, if you look in your bulletin, what you'll find is a note in there about coins and cans. You know, like collecting up some coins. We have a, a camp that we do each year, Mountain View Camp, and it's for third through seventh graders. And we had, I'm not sure exactly the number, 75-ish kids that came to camp this year. And we handed these out to all the families when, uh, we, were, when we were done on Wednesday night. And we encouraged them to collect up some money over the next few weeks and then to bring it to Gateway next Sunday. And so uh, even if you weren't at camp, you could still participate in this. Our family has been doing this for the last few weeks, and we're going to try to add a little more to that here in uh, the next week. And next Sunday, just bring those, and we'll just set them all right here at the front. And uh, we're going to donate that money, whatever we raise, to an orphanage in India. And this is Rosemary, uh, Rosemary Smith. She has a friend, and it's in your bulletin. I forget her name right now, but if you look in your bulletin, you can see her friend's name who helped uh, get this orphanage started. And so we're going to send this money to this orphanage in India. And we hope that we'll have guests that will come back, that we're at camp, and they'll come back next week. And uh, so we invite you to participate in that as well. How many, of you, uh, how many of you have some coins? Oh, almost everybody. Okay. Well, that'd be cool if you put them in a can. You say, I don't have one of these cans. Well, you don't have to put it in that can. Just put it in any can, you know. Just put it in anything and put it in a sack, whatever, Walmart sack, and just bring it and drop it up here next, uh, next Sunday, and we'll, uh, great, that'll be a really cool thing. Boy, that's frustrating. Uh, so I'll try to plug this in real quick, and we'll get started. We are starting a new series of lessons here uh, at Gateway. Let me see if we can get back. All right. We're starting a new lesson, new uh, series of lessons at Gateway this week, and um, we have, uh, well, I guess I'll ask it this way. Let me just say this. Let me talk to the ladies first. Um, ladies, how many of you, you really, really, really enjoy boxing? Raise your hand if you really enjoy boxing. Ladies, ladies. I saw like two ladies kind of like embarrassed, like, oh, I, yeah, I do, I like it. Okay, all right, so guys, maybe, uh, maybe it's not even necessarily right now, but at some point in your life, how many of you men either do now or you have enjoyed watching boxing in your life? Raise your hand, guys, if you've enjoyed that. Okay, yeah, it's kind of a, I mean, I don't mean to be sexist, but it just kind of is more of a guy thing. It's like a, it's an aggressive, you know, 
thing. We want, like, it's, there's something about seeing, especially in slow motion now, and you have HD, you know, and you see somebody's face, you know, it's put, you know, the sweat and blood's going, it's just awesome. And so there's something for guys that we just love that, something about that, that we really uh, enjoy that. And so what we did in the first part of the summer is we did a series called uh, The Bride of Christ, or Good and Beautiful, and we talked about brides. We talked about wedding dresses, and we talked about flowers, and we talked about, you know, cakes, and, and all us guys suffered through that, all right? And so that was, if you were here, ladies, at the beginning of the summer, that was your, that was your section. Now, we're about to talk about boxing, all right? So this is the guys section of the summer, right? So that's going to be pretty cool. And, uh, and, and I, I think we're going we're gonna to learn a lot from this uh, as, we, as we work through this. Boxing, I grew up enjoying watching boxing on TV. I'd never really been to any boxing matches, but I liked watching it on TV with my dad. There was something about that just between, you know, dad and son. We like to watch, you know, just household names. I'm not like a huge boxing fan, but Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, and Joe Frazier and George Foreman and Larry Holmes and uh, Evander Holyfield as you get a little later. And, and then I just kind of lost my taste for it with Mike Tyson, if you know what I mean, lost my taste, you know what I mean, sort of. So, anyways, some of you will get that later at lunch, but um, we're going to use this analogy about boxing for a study as we think about our fight against sin. Now, that's not something I think that we like to talk about very much at church or anywhere. Nobody really likes to talk a lot about sin, but we're going to do it for seven weeks. We're going to spend seven weeks talking, and I, I think as we go through these seven weeks, I doubt there's anybody who all seven weeks, you're going to be like, wow, that's me. You know, whoa, that one's me too. You know, you're probably going to have some weeks where you're like, well, that didn't really hit me. But I guarantee you there's going to be one or two weeks. It's, if, you, if you're here all seven weeks, it's probably going to hit you. It's probably going to step on your toes a little bit. And, and when I get my toes stepped on, I don't know about you guys, but when I get my, to- when I get my toes stepped on, you know what I do? I move. I, and, and that's, we're not here to try to try to make anybody feel horrible or guilty, but maybe through the power of the Holy Spirit, maybe he'll cause some of us to move a little bit in our life and become a little bit more like Christ, and that would be good. I think boxing is a good comparison because we all know, all of us know boxing is dangerous. We all know that. I mean, everybody knows that you could get hurt if you step into the ring, but here's the deal. We still think of it because it is, we think of it as a sport, right? I mean, it's it's sort of fun. And, and, I mean, it's dangerous, but it's maybe not that big of a deal. Right? That's how I think of it anyways. So on November 13th, 1982, Caesar's Palace, two great boxers met for a contest to see who would be the world lightweight championship, champion of the world. Ray Mancini and Dooku Kim. Uh, Braxton always tells me if I would get a Mac, this wouldn't happen, but uh, I don't know about that. So, uh, Mancini and Kim meet for this this championship boxing match. They met at Caesar's Palace, and this is a picture of them weighing in. You can see they're both in the prime of life. They're just ripped, you know. They've been in the gym. They've worked out hard. They're weighing in. I kind of like that picture where everybody's, you know, checking to make sure they're the right weight and all that kind of stuff. And uh, they fought this great fight at Caesar's Palace for 14 rounds. It was an amazing fight, and the commentator said it was even, and it was close, and it wasn't sure who was going to win if they didn't knock somebody out. And in the 14th round, 
This is what happened. Mancini hit Kim with two right hooks, two right hooks, and the second one sent him flying into the ropes and his head hit the canvas. And he struggled up. He struggled to pull himself up. I imagine, I didn't see this fight, but I imagine almost like the movie's Rocky, you know, where he's pulling up. And he got up, but the, but the uh, referee, his name was Richard Green. He stopped the fight because the guy was so wobbly. And so it was official, a, t- a TKO, a technical knockout. And so Mancini was the champion. And there was huge celebrating, as there always is. You know, all his corner and his fans ran and lifted him up. And he would say later that he never saw what happened when that celebrating was going on. Because when that celebrating was going on in Mancini's corner, Kim collapsed. He was carried off on a stretcher out of Caesar's palace. He was rushed to a hospital where it was discovered that he had a subdural hematoma. An emergency surgery was performed on him immediately on his brain, but it was unsuccessful. And at the age of 22 years old, in the prime of his life, Dooku Kim died. What a shock to me. I mean, and a tragedy. It's just a fight. It's just a boxing match. And the guy dies. Just shocking to me that that happened. And I think that is a great comparison and is similar to our fight against sin. Because it's tragic sometimes what happens in our life because of sin. And it didn't just stop with him dying. The tragedy went on. Kim's mother, who lived in South Korea, was so depressed, was so depressed she committed suicide within three months. The referee, Richard Green, within a year committed suicide after this fight. And Mancini, the man who won the fight, although he fought a few more times, he never, ever, his heart was never in fighting again, ever. You see, we think it's dangerous to step into the round, step into the ring with sin. We, we know that's dangerous, but we just probably don't realize how dangerous. See, we're in a fight for our lives here. We're in a fight for our souls. And not only for ourselves, but for the people around us. It's the fight of our lives that we're in here. And our decisions have far-reaching impact, both to us and the people around us. It matters how we live. And so as we begin this seven-week journey, we're going to be calling it Man Versus. And, and this is going to be, we're going to have this in a place where you can see it a lot better next week. We just, it got finished uh, just last night, and so we just put it up this morning, but you'll be able to see it a lot better, and it'll be a place for us to be able to look and, and refer to as we go through this series. And I really thank Sophie Jackson for making it. It's going to be great. It's a great banner that she made. And we're going to be doing this, this series. It's going to be called Man Versus. You guys have seen these shows on TV probably or heard of them, Man Versus Food, Man Versus Wild. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to do Man Versus, and we're going to talk about seven different sins. And our goal is going to be, as we look at these sins, and it's the reason that Sophie's put these scriptures on here for us, we're going to look at each of these scriptures, we're going to look at kind of an outline each week, starting with this, because I think this is one of the places we miss it big time as Christians, when we talk about sin, think about sin, pray about sin, we miss this one. Look at James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift 
is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. We're going to start by talking about how good our God is every week, how he's given us these beautiful, wonderful gifts in life, these awesome, fantastic things that he wants us to embrace. However, we're also going to talk about that there's an enemy. And so Peter warns us, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to play with. He's looking for someone to box with. He's looking for someone to trip up. He's looking for someone to hang out with. No, he's looking for someone to devour or destroy or kill. So resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And then we're going to look at this scripture here too. We're going to say, okay, God gives us good gifts. The devil twists those things around into something ugly. But here's our part. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them, you may fight the good fight. That's what we're called to do. We're called to fight. And that fight is to hold on to, hold on to our faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and have shipwrecked their faith. We find ourselves on this earth in this battle. In a fight, and it's to hold on to our faith so that the devil doesn't knock our faith out. That he doesn't knock our conscience out. And the whole way, we're going to remind each other every week through song and also through the things that we read in Scripture and the things that I say here, we're going to remind ourselves of this. That even though we're fighting the good fight, we're in a battle. The war has been won. The war has been won. Jesus has overcome. The good news is this. He defeated Satan on the cross, and so that's the reason he wants us to hold on so tight to him. Because while we may struggle with sin, even as we're holding on to him, we may be struggling with sin. Romans 8 reminds us of this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our goal is not to condemn anybody. Our goal is to invite the Holy Spirit to convict us of places where we can grow. So we're going to look at 2 Thessalonians this morning. Let's pray, and then we'll get right into our text for this morning. God, thank you for, thank you for the truth of the gospel. And I accept it again today, that Jesus died for my sins. And I trust wholly, 100%, in the work that he did. And I expect to swing out into eternity on that work. God, I pray that you would also, while we live on this earth, that you would help us, Lord, to fight the good fight. That you would help us to stand, to draw lines in the sand. That you would help us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to embrace your good gifts and to reject the twisted things that the devil offers us. So today, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our heart and may the movement of our feet as you step on them, may they all be acceptable in your sight. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. And everyone says... Amen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Look at this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. This is so interesting to me. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you. I mean, this sounds serious. I'm commanding you in the name of Jesus. Brothers, to keep away from every brother who... Man, what's he going to say? Every brother who hates. Every brother who, is, who, who, who cheats on his wife. Every brother who steals from his company. Every brother who's, who's just a rotten, no-good scoundrel. Somebody who is just the scum of the earth. You stay away from those people. That's what he's going to warn us about. Is that what he's going to say? 
That is correct. Whoever said that? This is what he's going to say. Keep away from every person who is idle, is lazy, is slothful. What? It doesn't sound very evil. It doesn't sound very dangerous. But he says, is idle and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. Now, I'm going to go on this a pretty long, lengthy reading. So get your thinking caps on. Don't, don't check out. I do that sometimes. I just like, wah, 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 wah. Don't do that. Listen close. This is the word of God. This is God speaking to us. Look what he says. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any one of you. Now, we did this, not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. Here's a rule. Are you guys ready for the rule? If a man will not work, he shall not eat. That's a rule in the Bible. You don't work, you don't eat. We hear that some among you are idle. That they're not busy, they're busy bodies. Such people, I think, yeah, I think it kind of, I think Paul's kind of tongue in cheek. I think it's a little bit of a joke there, kind of. I mean, he's saying, not busy, but instead busy bodies. He's making sure you remember. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down, earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what's right. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of him. Do not associate with him in order that he may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. This is my hope. This is my goal. This is what I'm hoping that will happen during these seven weeks. That we will all be warned as brothers and sisters in Christ. That we love each other and that we would warn one another about these things. Starting with being idle. Some of you probably already have guessed or you know what's under this. Some of you may not. What do you think's under here? Yeah, that's exactly right. A nice couch out of the teen classroom <laughs> something right out of the teen classroom because sometimes you just you just like to whew, have a seat man this is more comfortable than those pews i'll tell you that sometimes a couch is just like being lazy and it feels pretty good to sit right here check out these Pictures of laziness. That's pretty lazy. Kind of ironic, I think. I like this one right here. That guy's not even going to get up. He just grabbed a hockey stick. He's going to change the channel with that. He's too lazy to even find his remote. You know, he just found something close by. They're stupid and lazy. You just wonder what's going to happen, you know, when that guy pulls hard enough on that. He's too lazy to move his car, so he's going to pull the, he's going to pull the uh, whole thing off. And this is my favorite one. That is lazy. That is really lazy. Because sometimes you just don't want to do it. You just settle in and you're like, I'm pretty comfortable where I'm at. And I really don't want to move. I don't want to change. I don't want to do anything different than what I'm doing. So my question for all of us today is this. What is God's spirit leading you to do? Not to pray about, not to talk about, not to study about, not to think about. What is God's spirit leading you, you personally today, to do? I think a lot of you know there's something that God's leading you to do. You know it. 
And yet there are times when we're either tired or we just think, I'd just rather stay. I know God wants me to do that, but I'm pretty comfortable. I, it's, you know, I've tried that before and it didn't work or that's just going to be too much trouble to get up and who knows if it'll work out or not. And I, you know what? I'm, I know God wants me to do that, but I'm just going to stay where I'm at. And look what the Proverbs say about us when we act that way. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. I'm just kind of sitting here, and I know what I ought to do, but it's like, ah, not so much. I think I'll just stay here. I think I'm good. And one of the things we have to think about and realize is what what we said a minute ago, is that God gives us good gifts. And one of the things that we have to remember is that God gives us the great gift of life. And I don't just mean our oxygen and the blood running through our body and a day to be quote-unquote, alive living. I'm talking about the gift of this day and what will we do with this day today? The opportunity that we have. Will we embrace it? Will we fully live our life? Amy's nephew, and that's by marriage, my nephew, his name is Riley. He's 22 years old, and he just finished his uh, degree at college, and he's going to work for the Peace Corps. And on his blog, this is what he wrote. People ask, why go? And I usually answer, why not go? I have an opportunity to enrich a third world community's quality of life. And I have a chance to broaden my perspective of the world I live in. And having grown up in a Western culture, it only seems right to lend a helping hand to to a developing country. I feel like everyone should do some sort of military or civil service work at some point in their life, myself included. Now, many have asked, what benefits do I get from serving as a Peace Corps, thank you, Peace Corps volunteer. And he goes on to talk about some things about college, and he can go on in college and get some more. But he says, my reasons for joining are intangible. I sought out a life experience to have while I'm still young that will leave a positive impact. I believe in living a complete life. And I hope that my Peace Corps experiences will be something that I can cherish forever. There's a young man who's saying yes to life. He's saying, yes, God is offering opportunities, and I'm going to take the opportunity. And so he's gone to Tanzania for two years. That's one of the things is that God gives us opportunities that are good. Another thing that God gives us, and I think sometimes we get it confused. When we think about couch or lazy or sloth we, we, or a sluggard, we, we think of there's two choices. Either you work really hard all the time or you're a lazy, no good, nothing. But actually, that's not God's way. God says work, work hard and rest. Work, work hard and enjoy your family. Work, work 40, 50 hours a week and enjoy the blessing of Sabbath. Not just as a suggestion, but as a commandment. Slow down, stop. Be still and know that I'm God. Don't work all the time. Don't depend always on yourself. So it's important, I think, as we think about a couch, for us not to just think, well, anybody who rests is sitting on the couch and they're, not, they're sinning. No, that's not the case. God gives us good gifts, and these are some of them. But then the devil twi- twists those. He twists those around. And he makes them into some of these things. He twists the good gifts of God, first of all, into saying no to life. That sometimes when we're just sitting on the couch and the opportunity for life 
for something in life, for something great comes along and we just over in the bed and we say, nah, no thanks, not interested. I think I'll pass. The second thing is sometimes we choose laziness instead of work, that we literally just are people who don't work. There are some people who struggle with that. And the Bible says if we don't work, we don't eat. We just read that a moment ago. I like the story about the guy who he went to the doctor and he told the guy, the, the, the doc, he said, man, I used to be able to work really, really hard. And now when I'm at my job, you know, I just don't have the same energy. I can't work as hard. I just, I, you know, I find myself falling asleep. And he said, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. So the doc ran all kinds of, you know, tests and all this stuff. And he came back in and he said, doc, just give it to me. Just give it to me straight and just give it to me in plain English. And he said, all right, well, in plain English, he said, you're lazy. And the guy said, okay, now give it to me in big medical terms so I can give that to my boss, all right? <laughs> got to have some kind of problem so I can't work anymore, right? See, we kind of got a culture that thinks that, don't we? A culture that sort of embraces this idea of laziness instead of work. Now, as Christians, we're called to take care of widows and orphans. I mean, and, and I don't think that's just like a list. That the only two people we should take care of is widows and orphans. The point is, anybody who is helpless, anybody who's in a situation they really, really need help, we ought to reach out and help those people. But we, we live in a time right now, and I'll tell you for me personally, I live in a time that it's, it's like a fine line. I feel like there's this, all this tension. And when I'm working with people, and they're asking for help, and I'm thinking, you could be working. And so do I go ahead and just help them? Do I give them some of Amy and I's money that we've worked hard for? And I say, here you go, I'll pay your electric bill. Do I do that? Well, sometimes maybe I do, but I'll tell you this. I think we have the responsibility to share this part of the Bible as well and say, hey, you're healthy enough to work. You should be working. See, this is what God created us for in the Garden of Eden. I mean, the perfect place. That's, that's paradise. And God said to the man and the woman, go out and do what? Work. That's right. Go out and work. Because that's part of paradise. God created us to be people who work. Another thing is sometimes the devil twists this rest thing and this couch thing into apathy about relationships. Men, some of you when I ask, what, do you, what, what is God leading you to do? What is the Spirit leading you to do? You know that you should be leading your family better. You know that you should be leading your wife in ways that are that are more toward the Lord. You know that you should be leading your children more toward God. But you're on the couch and you're kind of like, I know I should do that, but I don't know how to do that. I don't know if that'll work. That's not really who I am. And I'm just kind of tired. I'm, you know, let, let her take care of that. In the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve took the fruit and they ate of it, and then they ran and hid, and, and then the Lord came into the garden, and did he say, Adam and Eve? No, he didn't say that. He only said, Adam, where are you? God may be asking some of us men today, hey guys, where are you? Hey grandpas, where are you with your grandchildren? Hey husbands, where are you at with your wives? Hey dads, where are you at with your children? Hey, uncles, where are you at with your nephews and nieces? Hey, men, where are you? Are you just sitting on the couch, apathetic? 
I didn't bring a helmet to say this next part, but I'm going to be ready to duck, okay? Because I'm about to say something to ladies, and I'm going to, it's a really broad, broad stroke that I'm about to make, and it doesn't apply to all ladies, and it does apply to some men. But I'm going to tell you in the text that we just looked at a minute ago, when Paul said, some of you aren't busy, but you're busy bodies. Normally, when we get a picture of a busy body, maybe it's just me, but I think normally most people kind of get a picture of a woman. Because sometimes women struggle with that. And so women, I'm going to say to you today, if you're not busy, but you are a busy body and you're right in everybody's business and you're gossiping and you're complaining and you're making everybody's life miserable. If you're that kind of person, then get busy serving and stop being a busy body. And men, if you're doing that, you do that too. There, I got that in. Okay, so that way I don't throw anything at me. All right, because I'm going to look down now. I'm not looking up anymore. I'm going to look down at my notes. And then sometimes it's just this. We just don't have any purpose. I'm on the couch. I'm just kind of floating through life. No mission. No purpose. Just kind of bored. I remember this friend of mine that I I had, and we've lost touch. He moved away from here years ago. But he and I became friends because we both loved to ski. That was really what connected us. He's not a Christian. And as I got to know him and we skied together, you know, from time to time found out that he dabbled in drugs and that he's probably an alcoholic that he cheated on his wife so uh, you know but i I mean i thought he's not a christian i mean what else would you kind of expect of somebody who doesn't follow christ i mean i guess that's what a lot of people do don't follow christ not everybody but a lot of people and and i i was trying to find ways to connect with him and and get to be friends and try to find a place where i could share the gospel with him and i remember one day we were sitting on a chairlift we were riding up and i asked him i said so what was your favorite job you ever had and he said, oh, man, right after I got out of high school, he said, I had this job. I, wor- I, w- I was in the military. I was like, man, dude, thanks for serving. Thanks for serving our country. That's awesome. What a great pride that you did that. He's like, yeah, I guess, whatever. But he said, you know what happened was, he said, I was on this ship. And he said it was the greatest job. And here's the reason. Because I got to sleep all day on the ship in my bunk. And then when it was time to go to work, I would just go into this little room. And I just stayed in this one little room by myself. And if anything went wrong, alarms went off and I had to push some buttons. But otherwise... I just got to, like, read magazines. I could fall asleep on the job, you know. And I, and I was like, man, that, I would think that was awful. He's like, no, it's great. It's the greatest job ever. And I thought, when he said that, I thought, that may be, I mean, the other things he was struggling with in his life were, you know, bad and kind of sad. But I thought, that's really sad. He had no purpose, no reason for being alive. Nothing. We can just get to this point where we're just bored. We just don't care. And why does it happen? Why do we get to these seasons of our life or this point in our life sometimes when it's man versus couch and we're on the couch and we just don't want to get up? Well, I'm going to give you two reasons we get there. Maybe these will resonate with you. The first one comes from Proverbs 26. The sluggard says there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. See, one of the reasons that we sometimes get here is because we're afraid. We're scared. We're scared of people and what they might say about us if we go do that. We know God is calling us to do that, but what would they say? We know that God is calling us to do that, but we're afraid because we might fail. We know God's calling us to do that, but we, you know, it might cost us time, energy, money. And here's the deal about that. I think one of the things, we just run down this road of imagination of all the worst case scenario. And I think we can just set that aside if we'll just realize 
when we're thinking about, I wonder if this will fail? Yes, of course it will. That's what happens when you get on a road with a lion. It's hard. And you trip and you fall and you mess up. But that's where life is and that's where faith is. On the road with the challenges. Not on the couch. Pointing at the road out there. And so Jesus tells the parable. About the three people that were received talents. Money. Really they received opportunities. One of them received five opportunities. One of them received three opportunities. Another one received one opportunity. And the first two went off and they multiplied those opportunities and all kind of good things happened. And, and the third one, he took the one opportunity that he was given by the king and he buried it. He hid it because he was afraid, is what the text says. And Jesus called that man wicked. Wicked servant. Throw him out. That doesn't even make sense to me. I think a person sitting on a couch... Is wicked? Really? Yep. Throw that person out. The person who just says no to life buries their opportunities and says, I'm not going to do it. I'm afraid. I might fail. Nope, not going to try it. Wicked. What's God calling you to do? Don't be afraid. God is greater than any lion. The lion of Judah is greater than any lion that's on a road somewhere. He can overcome. You might fail, but he won't. Step out. That's where faith is. Faith is on that road. There's no faith on couch. On couch, I don't, have to, I don't have to risk anything. On the road with lions, i got to risk. That's where faith is. That's where faith grows. You want your faith to grow? Go where you're afraid. The other reason that we do this is from this proverb. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who answer discreetly. Basically, a lot of times if we have this time, we, we, we kind of stay on the couch, it can be because we just have an inflated ego. Because we think we're better than everybody else. Seven people might be telling us, hey, go over there and get a job. They've got job openings. And I'm going, man, I'm way above that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go work there. I'm way overqualified. I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to get some. Okay, and you apply it to other opportunities where people do that. If you happen to be that awesome, maybe you are, okay? If you really are that awesome, then go ahead and take the seven people's advice and go get the job over there where they're telling you to. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to promote you because you're awesome. So go over there and get a job over there. Most people that are living life and enjoying and, and in life that God has given them and succeeding, you know where they started? They started in the mailroom. They started, you know, they started as a busboy. And they just were awesome. They did a great job. My mentor, his name was Bobby Heist. And the first time I went to be a youth minister was in the summer of 1985. And I went for, the, for a few months, and I worked with Bobby Heist. And at some point in that summer, I'll never forget he told me this. He said, John, I can tell you really are made for this. And you, he said, you want to help people, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, you want to tell people about Jesus? I was like, I do. And he said, well, I'm going to tell you. You want to know the secret? I was like, yeah, I want to know the secret. I thought maybe he was going to say, like, memorize scripture or go pray four hours a day, or go in your office and come up with great ideas. And, and I said, yeah, what's the secret? And he said, get ready to move tables and chairs. That's it. Just go do whatever needs to be done. The next small little thing, go do that. That's what you do. Whatever is the thing that needs to be done. Well, we need a couple of counter punches as we finish today. A couple of things that we can say, I'm in the fight, and these are a couple of things I'm going to do. 
when I leave here today. And so here they are. First of all, embrace God's good gifts. Embrace his good gifts. Some people are just, I think, exhausted because they're actually doing the opposite of this. They're working all the time. And they're not ever embracing God's good gifts. Now, I didn't even ask Carl for permission to say this. But I think I know him well enough, and I think he trusts me enough that it would be okay for me to share this with you. Carl, one of the struggles in his life is being a workaholic. He works too much, or he has in his life worked too much and too often. And uh, I could tell you a really funny story about that, but I don't have time, so I'll skip it. Maybe I'll tell you some other time. But, um, But here's what I love, is that Carl is growing in that. And... At Mountain Family Fellowship this last weekend, I was walking. Carl doesn't even know I saw this. I was walking from one place to the other. And I saw Carl over there, and he had one of his grandchildren. He had their their hands, and he was walking them. And they were walking, trying to balance on something. And he was laughing with them, and they tripped and fell off. And he picked them up, and he was kissing them and laughing with them. And then he put them back down, and he was walking with them. And I thought, that's it. That's how Carl gets better from being a workaholic, from being exhausted is that he plays with his grandkids, that he rests, that he finds time for the balance. So way to go, Carl. Good job. I'm proud of you. This weekend, I went for 24 hours on Friday and Saturday. My family and I went camping over at Silver Lake. And as I was walking around at Silver Lake over there, I walked past this one campsite, and there's a truck. And on the side of the truck, it, had, it said something about uh, it's from El Paso, and it was like a concrete company or something, and it was a really nice truck, and obviously the people who own the company or who drive this truck are really successful. I'm sure they work very, very hard at whatever they do. And right next to the truck, there was a guy in a hammock asleep. And I thought, that's it. The guy's got it. He's got it. He, he goes and he works hard, and then he goes and he lays in a hammock for a little while. That's the balance. That's the right way for us to live life, to embrace God's good gifts. Amy's dad. His name is Bob, one of the best, hardest working men I've ever met in my life. Great teacher. When he was a teacher, he's retired now. He was a great principal uh, over in West Texas and just awesome. And, and he would, when, when they were growing up, they, they call him Pap, okay? That's what, that's what Amy calls her dad, Pap. Love you, Pap. And when they were growing up, he'd work hard all week and on Sundays, he would, they'd go to church, and he probably was teaching the Bible, and he's probably leading singing. He was probably worshiping God with all of everything he has, pouring it all out. But on Sunday afternoon, I guarantee you, they said, don't bother Pat because he's taking a Pat nap. And that meant he's going to sleep for about two or three or four hours. You know why? Because he's embracing the good gifts of God. He's going to work it hard, and then he's going to rest because that's a gift of God is to go rest, to go play. To go slow down, to go stop, to go be still. Doing both. Let's embrace the good gifts of God. Two more quick things. Well, this one is, this is what we just read a minute ago about the good gifts. Every good and perfect gift is from above. That's the reason we need to do that. These are things God gave us. Let's not, let's not kick them to the side, kick them to the curb and say, no, I don't need God's good gifts. Here's the second one. Find a place to begin self-discipline. Find a place to begin self-discipline. Self-discipline is one of the fruits of the Spirit. We need to pray for God's spirit to grow self-discipline. And if you're on the couch, if you're here and you're not getting up, if this describes you today, then probably there's a lot of areas of your life that there's no discipline. So just choose one of them. Don't fix it all today. Choose one area and begin to pray for God to help you to have self-discipline in that one area right there. Look at what this proverb says. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Like the little ants crawling around on the ground. Go to the ant. 
Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Basically, he's saying he doesn't have to have somebody watching over him. That little ant doesn't have to have a commander with a whip saying, go or else you're not going to get paid. Go, go, go. I'm going to fire you. He doesn't need that. He knows he's going to go self-discipline. God put it inside of him. And so did God put that inside of Christians because that's the fruit of the spirit. So find an area and start to be self-disciplined in that one area. And it'll grow. It'll grow from there. And the last one is this. Move now. Move now. Do not hit the snooze button today. If, you, if this describes you, if you're the person on the couch and you're sitting there going, I can't believe I came on vacation and this guy is talking about this because this is my life. I am on the couch. That's where I live. And you're thinking, man, God must be speaking to me. Then don't hit the snooze button. Look at this. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? That's my last encouraging word to you today. (laughs) When are you going to get up from your sleep? If God's moving you, then move now. Don't say, well, I'll do that sometime later. No, you won't. Don't fool yourself. Don't think you're going to fool your family. If this is you, move today. Do something today because surprisingly enough the thing that may be separating you and your spouse or a good marriage is a couch because you're just not moving the thing that may be separating you and a neighbor from knowing about christ is a couch because you're just comfortable the thing that may be separating you from overcoming an addiction maybe just a couch just like i just i just don't think it'll ever happen The thing that may be separating you from God. Because we usually think of evil, horrible, awful things. The thing that may be separating you from God is a couch. Famously stated by somebody. What do we have to do to seal our place in hell? Nothing. God's calling you to move today. If the Holy Spirit's stepping on your toes, then I just want to encourage you, maybe it's just to come and pray with some shepherds. You may not even know these people, but I guarantee you they're, they're men and their wives who would, who would trust whatever you have to say today. They would pray with you and uh, bless, your, bless your life. Man versus a couch. But God's greater than any couch. Let's stand and let's sing.